Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host, Ted Odorico, broadcasting live every Thursday, 6 to 8 p.m. Central, from Panama City Beach, Florida, home of the world's most beautiful beaches. I want to take this opportunity to thank everyone for joining me on my weekly broadcast. Every week, I'll feature some of the best instructors, coaches, authors, and entrepreneurs in the golf business today. I begin with a great discussion on Coach's Corner, followed by an insightful interview with my special guest. So let's get started by introducing tonight's Coach's Corner panel. All right. Thank you, everybody, for joining me tonight here on Golf Talk Live. I'm your host, Ted Odorico, as mentioned in the intro. Uh, I've got a great show for you tonight. I'm going to be joined by a couple of great professionals. been on uh, many, many times on the show here on the Coach's Corner panel. And then a little bit later on, I'm going to be joined by my very special guest, uh, Alexander uh, Trujillo, uh, who is the North American Senior Sales Manager for FlightScope. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, FlightScope and some of the great uh, things that uh, – they do to help work the magic out there for many of the pros and also for you guys uh, out there as well. Um, and then uh, also I'm going to uh, quickly mention last week, of course, for those of you that tuned into the show, uh, Meredith Kirk was supposed to be uh, our special guest. And unfortunately, good old Hurricane Dorian that uh, made its way up uh, the eastern side of the United States, uh, made its way into the Carolinas, which is where, of course, she is uh, living and uh, it was just uh, uh, sort of touch and go there for a little while. So she sends her apologies, and she has been rescheduled. Uh, she will be on October the 3rd. She'll be coming back on the show uh, once everything's sort of settled down a little bit. So, again, she sends her apologies, and uh, just wanted to let everybody know I have rescheduled her. So she'll be on for those of you that tuned in last week and were hoping to, uh, to hear the interview um, and found out that she wasn't coming on the show uh, that was the reason why the uh, the storm just was a little bit too uh, risky there, and, and uh, they lost uh, power and, and other things as well. So, uh, But anyways, not to worry. She will be here on October 3rd. All right, just a quick note as well. Um, next week we'll be uh, doing another great uh, show on the Women of Golf show every Tuesday mornings with uh, Sydney Miller and I. And uh, there isn't a tournament this week, but uh, we will have a Symmetra Tour player on. I'm not sure who it's going to be yet, so I hope you'll join us for that as well. It'll be always interesting, and then we'll have another uh, interesting guest as well to follow. So I hope you'll tune that on blogtalkradio.com from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern uh, here on the same network, and that's the Women of Golf Show with my good friend, co-host, LPGA professional Cindy Miller, uh, and I uh, host that together. <coughs> Pardon me. All right, also I want to say a special thank you to the sponsor of uh, Coach's Corner, golfswing.com. Uh, for faithfully uh, sponsoring the show and the segment uh, Coach's Corner uh, till the end of this season, and we'll see what happens beyond that. Um, let me tell you a little bit about them, and then I'll introduce the uh, the panel and bring them out. Uh, Golfswing.com, with their cutting-edge technology, have teamed up alongside some of the best instructors, coaches, and swing gurus in the business. Together, they have created uh, one of the best video teaching and training online platforms in golf. So if you're ready to break 100, 90, 80, or even 70, then by all means, join their online video academy and learn from some of the best. Um, if you uh, enter in the promo code GOLFTALKLIVE at checkout, you'll receive 50% off the subscription price. So don't forget to do that. Wait till the end of the show and go to golfswing.com, enter promo code GOLFTALKLIVE and receive up to 50% off the subscription price. Um, well, well worth it. 
And uh, again, if you want to join GolfSwing.com today, watch, practice, and improve your game. I guarantee it will happen. All right. Um, on the panel this evening, uh, one of them actually is ready, so I'm going to bring him out here. Uh, tonight on the panel is John Hughes. He's a PGA Master Professional and the president of the North Florida PGA section. Uh, he was also the recipient of the 2013 PGA of America's Horton Smith Award. Uh, and he's also in the uh, Golf Tips Magazine Top 25 Instructors. Uh, also joining out on the panel is Sue Weger. Uh She's a number one international best-selling author of a great book called Golf the Last Six Inches, Change Your Brain, Change Your Game. Uh, she's also a motivational speaker and peak performance coach, and she's a 24-plus year LPGA Class A professional and the owner of Uyghur Consulting, LLC. Um, good evening, John. Welcome. Uh, we're going to wait for Sue a little bit longer here, but uh, John, welcome to Coach's Corner. Thanks, Ted. Good evening. Hope you're having a good evening. Hope everybody listening is doing the same. I appreciate it. Thank you, John. Um, all right, well, we're going to start here, and I'll keep an eye out. I've sent a message uh, to Sue, she may be, um, as, as many of us do, uh, running a little bit late uh, with some lessons and so forth. So we'll just uh, keep an eye out for her. And for some reason, uh, otherwise, uh, you and I will hold down the fort tonight. All right, John, I want to talk to you about something. Um, actually, I, I talked with the panelists last week about the same discussion. I thought it was a very interesting discussion. And I would just like to get a little bit more uh, in-depth, if you will. Um, you know, we're we're getting into... Uh, sort of that, that slower season for some up north, but a little bit more adventurous season for some of us down here in the southeast particularly, um, where we're going to be getting sort of influxed with uh, a lot of different uh, players uh, wanting to come down and, and take advantage of the, the warmer climates here in the south. Um, but one of the things that I want to talk to you specifically about is the sort of the, the student, coach, and parent relationships uh, and I'm going to identify that here in just a, a little bit better in a second here. But, John, the first question I want to ask you, um, and this is going to sort of lead the discussion, is what are some signs that you look for that help you to identify a player? And that, what I mean by that is somebody that just sort of has that unique ability, those unique talents, if you will, um, that are just able to sort of understand and develop their game to that higher level. What are some things when you're watching, whether it's watching somebody on, on the practice tee or maybe a student that you're working with or have been working with, and you start to notice certain things, what are some of the signs that, that sort of stand out to you? Well, the, the first thing that I think anybody sees, whether you're highly trained, such as the two of us, or you're just a lay person, is someone's athletic ability. And I've always told the definition of that is being when you were much younger and you were picking sides for a baseball game or a basketball game or a football game in the backyard and the same set of people always get picked first. You're not picking them first because of their skills. You know, they're an athlete and they're adaptable. And, and that's really the first thing that I think anybody sees from there. I'm looking at how trainable is the, are those athletic skills, uh, what their work ethic is, uh, how they go about just handling themselves, uh, whether it's on the range with, with adversity, on the golf course with adversity, when, it, when you're talking about students of high school or college age, how they handle adversity off the golf course in the classroom and life type situations from a 
actual golf skills standpoint of view, I think from there you are looking at diligence and how willing somebody's how willing they're they're put the commitment in, the time needed mm-hmm. to better themselves, right? As well as the creativity factor with that, the create creativity can be taught to a certain degree, but it's more innate. And when you look at the best golfers in the world, they're there for a lot of different reasons. One of them is their creativity. And the ones that are super creative are the ones that are super successful. So there's, there's a lot of variables that go into that. But when you're talking to college coaches, when you're talking to uh, coaches that train elite golfers, I think those are some of the similar things that everybody's looking for in a golfer. Right. Well said. And and I think that, you know, one of the things that, and you, you talked about this here uh, a little bit, you know, obviously there, there are certain athletic abilities that, that are important to have. Um, and again, that doesn't mean you have to be in, in, in peak physical condition. Obviously it helps and, and, and it gives you an advantage, um, but you have to have sort of the, 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 the groundwork already established, if you will, and, and being somewhat athletic and having the ability to, to be able to adapt, as you said. But I think also when you're identifying uh, somebody who I think has those qualities of a good player, in, in addition to being able to adapt, um, they've got to be somebody that has a, a good, strong work ethic because they're going to have to work. I mean, some people certainly have uh, a born natural talent in, in whatever endeavor they may be pursuing, um, but they have to work at it. It doesn't just, you know, come in one day and stay there for the rest of your life. You have to keep working at it at that craft. And I think this is something that uh, I think probably coaches look for as well is, is, you know, it's great to have somebody that has the talent, but if they're not willing to, um, you know, put in that, continue to put in that effort, um, then they're really more of a liability. And this is something that, you know, John, I know that you work a lot with, with juniors that are either in high school or maybe pursuing college uh, uh, golf. And there's a conversation that happens. Um, maybe you've identified some of the things that you mentioned here in a player. They may not necessarily be working with you. And you want to sort of recruit them, if you will, into a, a good, solid program to help them uh, achieve some of those goals. So talk us, walk us through a little bit of that, if you wouldn't mind, um, engaging not only with the junior but with the parents as well. Because obviously at some age, uh, certain ages, obviously they need uh, either parental consent or you certainly want to have their um, – approval as well so um, walk us through a little bit about that when you've identified a player uh, and you want to maybe make them that offer of hey you know I think I can really help get you to some of the the levels uh, that you may be looking for Um, what are you going to talk to them about and what are you going to ask them more importantly Uh, regardless of what questions I ask which are mainly questions that start with why and the reason for that is I want to hear answers that start with the word because. And those questions and answers really help me determine how passionate that player is. When I'm, when you're talking about high school players, um, I can give you two examples on my high school team. Uh, one young lady, extremely talented athletically, could probably play any sport she wanted to and be – fairly good at it, 
she's a decent golfer, but it's not a passion of hers. Her passion's art. Her passion's being super creative with a lot in a lot of different mediums, uh, and that's what she wants to go to school for. But she loves golf not from a passion so much as a pastime. So the way I approach her is much different than say her teammate. Uh, freshman this year, super, super talented, has won a, a national title in her home country, mm-hmm. and she already has a swing coach. So when we're talking about dealing with parents, I'm dealing with one that we're talking about keeping the passion going in art for the, uh, for the one while still making golf fun and seeing improvement right. and realizing improvement within the time constraints that that young lady has. While with the other one, it's balancing the fact that much as I'd like to help this young lady improve, she's already working with somebody. So that's one of, one of the best quotes I've ever heard, and I want to say it's attributed, and don't hold me to this, I want to say it's attributed to Dean Smith, was he was asked, when when do you what what do most coaches do that you'd ask them to correct that they're doing? And he basically, in a nutshell, said most coaches don't know when to stop coaching. Um, and right. I would say if there's coaches out there listening, sort of step back, put yourself in in a third party's shoes, and are you over coaching? Are you are you saying too much? Mm-hmm. Or trying to do too much? based on the passion level, based on the direction and goals that parents and kids have. Uh, the, the, I try to undercoach those kids now. Uh, last year I probably did a little bit of overcoaching. This year I'm trying to do some, some things that are a little different and allow them the space to grow as individuals, which has allowed me right. to interact more with parents, uh, get parent feedback that's a lot more objective, not as as biased. Uh, and that those are really important things to wrap up in a in a holistic improvement program. Whether you're talking about high school, college, elite, the beginner, adult, it doesn't really matter. These are all really good points to keep in mind as you develop as a coach. But I think these are also great points for parents and players to be cognizant of when they're trying to choose a coach that's best for them. Yeah. And, and, you know, the other thing too, John, I think for, um, for a lot of the students, you know, what's interesting, let me back up for a second. You know, as I mentioned uh, a few moments back, you know, on uh, the Tuesday morning shows that Cindy Miller and I, LPJ professional Cindy Miller and I do, we talk to a lot of the Symmetra tour players. And one of the interesting things that many of them over the last several seasons, but particularly this season, we've talked to quite a few young ladies who, of course, they've, they've won a tournament or two tournaments or what have you, um, but they've made a lot of changes in how they approach golf. And it's not you know, necessarily big swing changes, what a lot of people think about, but it's about really having fun. It's really about finding themselves because I think a lot of times they get caught up in the grind of trying to prepare for tournaments to the point where – it actually inhibits their play because they're not relaxed. They're, they're thinking too much about what has to happen. And they find themselves getting into somewhat of a little bit of a slump. And 
it isn't until they realize that, you know what, I'm out here to play golf, to play a game I enjoy. Yes, I want to win, and obviously I want to play well and, and advance in my career. But more importantly, I want to be able to enjoy my experience out here. And there was actually a point in time that many of them on the show talked about where they weren't enjoying it as much. And it was because they were getting caught up. And, and I wonder, John, just to go to your point, is maybe in some of those cases, if it's a product of being overtaught and getting fed too much information. Um, what do you think about that? Sometimes I'll agree it's being overtaught where the mind just can't relax and let you do what you do best. But right. I also say that when you're talking about the more elite athlete or the one that's working their way to that elite status, I'm a big believer that they lose sight of who they are, not only as a mm-hmm. golfer, but more importantly as a person. Uh, so, for example, uh, tour players, you see them, uh, the off days or even the night in between a round, maybe attending an NBA basketball game if where they're playing there happens to be a game or a football game or something. They're, they're realizing that, hey, for me to be able to enjoy my craft, I have to remain myself because if I can't be myself, how can I enjoy myself and therefore enjoy what I do? So I think that's right. uh, the other thing that you're hearing from these athletes is that they're trying to reconnect with themselves, uh, reconnect with why they play the game, what got them into playing mm. the game, and the other things right. that supported them early in their development, because a lot of times you get lost in the grind of, wow, I got to make a paycheck. Cause if you don't make the cut, you don't make a paycheck. And if you don't make too many paychecks, there's not as many sponsors that want to put their logo on your clothing. Uh, it, it's right. all a very vicious cycle that way. But I think the ones that do it the best, who are the most consistent are the ones that know who they are, know what they're about and try to stay within themselves as they go about this great work ethic that they have. That's that's what balances it all out. Right, right, well said. Um, You know, I want to move on to uh, another area, and and, um, this is really preparation, if you will. Um, Obviously, you know, we're going to be talking about players now looking towards making a a college uh, career, Uh, not just academically, but, uh, you know, trying out for the golf team. And obviously there are different levels. You know, obviously uh, D1 is uh, probably the most favorable, but there's also D2 and 3 and and other options as well. Um, So really whatever level uh, you're able to to acquire is, you know, um, obviously based on um, your performance and your abilities and so forth. But, what are some of the things from a coach's standpoint, um, John, maybe you can explain, when you're dealing with somebody that's got that in the forefront, you know, I want to get on uh, a college team, you know, I want to get in and play college golf, obviously I'm, I'm going for education, but I also want that experience. What are some of the key things that you're going to um, do to, prepare, to help prepare them uh, for that transition? Having spent three and a half years at IJGA, I I got an education about this myself, and I continue to hone it. I continue to keep track of it 
and the bottom line is your education. Golf, you can always play, but you may not be provided the opportunity to play it at the next level, whether you're going high school, mm-hmm. college, college to professional. So it's all about the academics first and choosing the school that is going to provide you the best all-around academic experience. And that, that includes social it includes extracurricular activities, it, you name it. It's it's a holistic way of looking at it. What a lot of people don't realize is that the best D1 and D2 schools and NAIA, when they have the money, are looking for college recruits when you're in 7th, 8th, and ninth grade. They start looking at the variables that I'd mentioned earlier. Right. And by the time you're a sophomore, junior, you're having some type of legal NCAA communication with coaches where you see the early signees now. That's no accident. These coaches are doing a remarkable job of research on the players that are out there. And if if you're in that top two or 300 in the junior scoreboard rankings, you're probably already spoken for with one of those D1 schools. Not to worry if you're not, because there's just as competitive golf at the D2, D3 levels. Differences at D3, there's no money, which gets us right, right back in that circle of academics. Um, I've got a young lady. She's going to be visiting some uh, Ivy League schools next week. Uh, her chances of playing golf are slim to none. But if she happens to walk on and make a team, that's a bonus. Whereas this freshman, I can very easily see her playing for one of the top 50 NCAA programs in four years. But at the end of the end of the day, it's what that young lady wants to do. Should golf not be available at the next level, and that's really important. I, having been recruited myself in college with a different sport. That was the right. that was the strategy my parents forced me to do, and I'm glad they did. And it it, it works. Doesn't matter whether it's 1970 or 2070. It's a strategy that's almost foolproof. Yeah, and and you know the, the you know you hit it right on the head is the education part, uh, and it really goes for any sport. It's not just golf, but the education part. Uh, part, excuse me, is, in my opinion, um, should be first priority um, because it doesn't matter. Like you said, you can always play golf at whatever level, um, but if you're if you're pursuing it at a higher level, um, and you don't have that education, and for whatever reason you don't make it, um, whether it be on the college team or even once you do play collegiate golf, even if you are successful there, that doesn't necessarily guarantee you're going to be successful on tour. Uh, or at the professional level. So you have to have something as an anchor, uh, you know, if you will, or security to fall back on. And this has been a problem for many, many athletes, you know, decades past, is they for forwent their or foregone their, their education uh, for, um, you know, the glory, if you will, and then ultimately ended up suffering because uh, at some point their career stopped and had nothing to fall back on. So I agree with that. I think education is important. The other thing I, I want to get on to, and I, I, I mentioned this a little bit earlier on, 
and, and that is um, about sort of the roles, if you will, about the student, uh, the coach, and the parent. I want you to maybe identify a little bit what each role should be in um, working with. So uh, to just give you a, a, a clear perspective of things, if you're working at whatever level, you pick whatever level you want, but if you're working particularly with a junior and you've had that initial consultation, you've talked to them, you've, you've asked the whys, uh, and you're satisfied with the answer, now you're putting together some kind of a program. What's going to be your role? What do you expect from the student? And what do you also expect from the parents um, as far as their involvement or lack of involvement in certain areas? So just sort of define those roles as you see them um, that have proven to be the most successful in, in your, uh, your perspective. I have, uh, I'm going to answer this in two parts because there's three C's that all three have to abide by. And the very, very first one is communication. There's got to be very clear, concise, and very honest communication amongst all three, coach, parent, and student, uh, for a lot of obvious reasons. At the tender ages of middle to high school, there's a lot going on in that young person's life. And and a lot of that determines how they develop into a young adult, into adulthood. And the more you can communicate the the simplest things, uh, such as, hey, I've got a test and my grades are most important. Great. Go do that. Let's reschedule something. Or I've got a conflict or the parent has a conflict or maybe the communication I'm having with the student isn't really jiving. It's, it's the parent to communicate that back. So it's sort of a tripod that if one leg falls, the entire stool falls. Uh, so communication amongst the three of us has to be there. Commitment. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got to be committed to their role. Uh, mm-hmm. it, the coach has a particular role, and that's got to be spelled out with, good communication before you ever enter into the relationship. Parents have to have a role. A lot of what the parent's role is is not determined by the coach so much as it is by the child and what the child wants from the parent. A great example tonight at my high school match, one young lady got a little bit miffed because she doesn't want her parents coming to watch her, but yet her parents and all the, for all the right reasons, want to be there to cheer on their child and support their child. Uh, but it's, uh, that's not the role that the child wants. As much as that sounds right. selfish, it's part of the maturation process of that athlete to figure things out for themselves maybe, or maybe they're just – it's an undue pressure they don't want. They, they don't want to please mom and dad. They want to please themselves. I mean, there's a lot of different things there. So everybody right. understanding their role and being committed to their role is really key. And then the uh, the third C I use is comfort. Everyone should be there to comfort each other. This is a really tough game to excel at, uh, mainly because it's you and only you. You don't have four or eight or ten other people to depend on. So the comfort level has got to be there from the standpoint of view of everybody's feeling comfortable with one another, but then everybody's there to comfort each other when needed. Uh, and that that's really key. And the, the great coaching relationships, Cameron McCormick 
with Jordan Spieth is a great recent example. I think live up to those mm-hmm. three C's. From there, you can build a really solid foundation program for the young man or woman to get to have them reach and meet their goals. I mean, it's it's pretty common sense, but we get so caught up in the emotions of what everybody wants or we tend to forget what's most important, and that's the development of the young person. Yeah, the the child definitely has to, you know, be be put first in in that process, and and um, you, you know, and, and this brings me to the next point. I know we've taught we've touched on this in the past, and and I know I've spoken about it a number of times, but I, you know, I I don't think we can emphasize uh, enough. But I, I want to focus on the parental role a little bit more because one of the problems, and, and I'm sure you've seen it um, in in many many examples over the years, where you know a parent just decides or parents in some cases really want to push that child and put a lot of undue pressure uh, on the individuals and to, you know, to perform better, to make the grade, if you will. And the anxiety that that develops with the child as a result of it um, can sometimes be, um, you know, never mind their golf game. I mean, we won't get into all the psychological issues that, that, you know, can manifest from that but i want you from a golf perspective you know that's a fine line you know because you you, as a coach i mean you're there to to basically instruct you're there to guide and 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 teach um you're not really there to to get involved into the uh you know parent student you know home relationships and things like that but you know what i'm talking about we get parents sometimes that just are are just pushing and pushing you know they're on the sidelines when you know so-and-so doesn't make a shot you know, they're kind of coming down hard on them. What do you, when you start these initial uh, discussions with both parties, do you lay specific ground rules out and say, okay, look, we're here to support. Um, If there's issues or things that you're concerned about, then you and I, meaning the parent and I, need to talk about that. And then, or how do you go about that? How do you handle a situation like that when you're dealt with the parents or parents that are just a little bit too... um, you know, overzealous for, for lack of better words. Well, you can you can stereotypically put parents into that bucket, and I'd say ninety five percent of the time you're going to be right doing so. The five percent mm-hmm. you're wrong is when you've missed some small little variable with the either parent child relationship or just the child themselves as to what makes them different, why they are who they are. Uh, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, do you you spell out some roles? Do you lay some ground rules? I think any great relationship, husband, wife, parent, child, coworkers, there's always an unwritten set of ground rules that we all follow. And when those unwritten ground rules are violated, that's typically when, I'll use this term because it's the first one off my tongue, chaos. Can happen right that chaos can really disrupt things what a parent needs to know of a potential collegiate athlete is you're under as much scrutiny if not more with some coaches than your child is they can measure aptitude and potential by scoring average statistics video 3d i mean all that's accessible to a college coach now but the one variable that they've got to be able to control is the culture of their clubhouse 
and that includes parents. And just because someone's a rock star on the golf course doesn't mean they're going to be the most sought after, especially when there is a hovering parent or there's a meddling parent or by the same token, a non-existent parent. If the child grew up with parents who are basically non-supportive, non-existent, that kind of culture can carry over into a team. Uh, the, the best example mm-hmm. I've seen and read about with that, hate to borrow from another sport, but is Mike Krzyzewski, uh does a wonderful right. job creating a culture of family with his teams. And even though a lot of his players are one and done, it's still very much a mm-hmm. family. It's, it's very cohesive that way. So the thing I always tell parents is, hey, you're, you're always be a parent. And and the story I tell is my father telling me this and me telling my son, I will always be your dad, but I don't, don't have to be your coach. And when, and this is probably the first ground rule, when that decision is made that you're not the coach, you're not the cheerleader either. And that's where parents get a little bit lost. You now are the support mechanism. You're the sounding board that that student, that child should be able to go to and say, dad, I don't like what coach is doing, or I'd rather do this instead of that. Uh, can we have a team meeting? Can I can I bring my team together and talk about this so we can do not necessarily what I want, but what I believe is going to be a good thing for me? Uh, it's tough for a parent to do. You still want to lead them. You still want to guide them. But when you're talking about high school kids, your biggest job at that moment is preparing them to be living on their own at college. So why not take that chance? Right, right, exactly. Well said. And, and, you know, the reason why I ask that is because, you know, again, I think parents mean well. um, And, you know, I I think that, um, you know, they they want to create the best opportunity for their child. But I think sometimes when it comes to, especially at this level, when you have an opportunity to really excel, um, again, whether it be in the, with the high school team or collegiate or beyond, um, it can be very, very um, stressful on its own. But then when you've got, you know, that, that hovering parent, if you will, sort of looking at every little, you know, nook and cranny, if you will, of what's going on in the program, um, and, and, and a lot of times even interfering in the program. In other words, undermining the coaches. Uh, position by saying, well, no, I, I don't really want them to do that, or I, I would rather they would do this, um, then it makes it difficult for you to make uh, a sound uh, plan or, or sound decisions because, you know, you, you've got somebody that's constantly sort of derailing your efforts. So it's it's a fine line, and, and it, it takes, I think, um, you know, not just skills in teaching the game, but I think, as you said at the very beginning, communication. You have to have very, very good communication skills I think to to work in in this type of environment. Um, the other thing I want to ask you as well, or talk to you a little bit about, John, is some of the areas specifically. There's obviously three key areas. There's the the mental side, if you will. There's the physical side, and then there's the emotional side. And one of the things that we talked about last week, and I just want to get your thoughts on this because this is something an area that's probably uh, overlooked, especially at, at uh, with some of our younger players. Um, but, and I'm going to start with, with the, um, the physical part, and I'm not just talking about, uh, physically learning how to play the game, but obviously at certain times in, in everybody's life, 
um, we're changing, our bodies are changing, you know, we're growing, uh, we're filling out, that sort of thing. And that can be a very, very confusing time for somebody. And also you have uh, hormonal changes. And people might say, well, what does that got to do with golf? What, who cares? And it doesn't make a difference. But it does because that affects the emotional stability of a player, as I'm sure you've seen uh, with with uh, younger folks growing up and that, that they can one minute they can be in a good frame of mind, the next minute they're not. How important is that to help them transition into that sort of next phase as you're working through the program and let's say you're you're asking them to do certain things and they're just not really focused because they're changing. I mean it's a tough it's a tough thing to uh to really do, isn't it? It is. And the the sign of a athlete maturing not only is physical but emotional the I would say the key that I've seen and what I try to teach to my players is to try to take the emotion out of the game. The more task-oriented you can get, especially with golf, and take some emotion out of it, uh, you're able to sail a more even keel, per se. Uh, When you're talking about high school athletes, there's a lot of things going on emotionally, graduation and parties and not seeing friends and did I get did I get the 2.98 GPA because 2.97 is not going to get me in? Uh, I mean, there's, right. there's just a ton of things going on that way. So being able to put realistic goals and, and aspirations out there tend to help level out the emotional part of being a college athlete. Um, the, having been a college athlete, I will tell you point blank, I'm not ashamed of it. Uh, dealing with the emotional things was probably the biggest hurdle I had beyond just being injured. Um, Being injured just adds a whole new emotional variable to it as well as a a massive amount of time commitment. So from an emotional standpoint of view, uh, the word emote is probably best used in this case from a parental standpoint of view of allowing your child the ability to emote to you, the, be that stable person for them, show them that, hey, what they are emotional about is real, but maybe it's not as real as they believe it to be. Uh, it, it's it's tough. It's tough to do that. And sometimes you need a coach to be the buffer. Sometimes you need a sports psychologist. Sometimes you need a guidance counselor. I mean, clergy, whatever it is, uh, can certainly help right. with that. But I, I would tend to agree when when we're talking about emotions of a young developing athlete, they're going a mile a minute. And the more stable right. you can make things within time periods, within chunks of time periods, hey, um, we're going to practice this for 10 minutes and this for 15 minutes and that for 20 minutes or whatever. A lot of that is by design, so if there are any extreme emotions in one direction or another, it gives a break from one skill to the next to hit that emotional reset button, and that's something you got to do on the golf course. It's something you got to do on the football field. It, it, it's, gotta, it's something you do in the boardroom, quite honestly. You've got to have yep. that reset. So I think that's really <clears throat> what you're talking about is developing – Right. The skill set, the recognition, 
and the neuroplasty of the brain to recognize these things. So you can hit the reset button. Yeah, and, and, and you know, obviously mentally, you know, you want to be as prepared as possible when you're out in the golf course for any situation that may arise. You know, you've um, even when you're playing well, sometimes just maintaining the strategy that you've started out with on that round uh, sometimes can, can take uh, quite a bit of effort. Um, and, and I think for, for a lot of young players particularly, um, there are, as you pointed out, there are many, many distractions. Um, you know, they've got friends, they've got family, they've got school and, and so forth. And I'm sure a lot of times it's very difficult for them to focus on the tasks at hand. So I, I like your suggestion of, of sort of keeping you know, it minimal at times so that they're not getting into a long, drawn-out session. So, again, it might be 10 minutes here, it might be 15 or 20 minutes or whatever, uh, depending on the exercise or the, the um, uh, skill set that you're, you're looking to, to help them, uh, you know, focus on. I think if it's kept at a minimal um, but effective rate, then I think it's easier for them to accept uh, and easier for them to handle without, you know, getting so overwhelmed. Um, what about the physical side? And, and I'm gonna, now I'm going to talk about getting uh, prepared and, and, and things like that for, again, whether it be a collegiate career or what. What are you going to do? Obviously, if they're working with you and they're going for that goal, you're not just taking somebody that doesn't have any skill. They've already developed some skill along the way, whether it be working from you, uh, with you earlier on or uh, coming from elsewhere. Um, but what are you primarily going to do to, to help them achieve the highest possible success that they can achieve um, with their collegiate career, as an example? The, so there's two main things. The first is having that student understand that once they get to college doesn't mean that their skill development within the sport has ceased. Um, quite contrary, and I'll get into that in a second. What I'm trying to have them understand is that this is an evolutionary process. And as you go from one level to another, that each and every aspect of what you're doing is going to jump up a level. So the very first thing I'm trying to have them understand is the time commitment, the emotional commitment, the mental commitment, the monetary commitment. Just put any word in front of commitment. It's going to take a jump. Uh, your academics mm-hmm. is going is gonna to be uh, need more commitment. Your time management skills are going to need more commitment. What you do at practice because of NCAA regulations to the limitations on practice and how often a team or an individual can practice with a coach throughout the week changes. So the intensity of that practice changes. The expectations change within that practice everything jumps up a level so it's not necessarily physically hey you got to be at your best all the time because if you peak out too soon then burnout's going to happen at some point so it's literally hey you're going to get to school you're going to get in the gym you're going to get physically stronger your body's going to change a little bit we're still going to have to work on x y and z so that that's really the first expectation that i try to have potential collegiate players understand is it's just like stepping off the the train and you're there. Uh, You're stepping on a bigger train. 
and you got to be prepared for right. that. Uh, the second thing physically is I try to get them to a quasi routine of seeing a personal trainer and get them in the gym and start working on some of those things, have them get a little bit more regimented with their practice time and, and chunking their practice time and not getting uh, too overly devoted, part of the double entendre there, but it, it makes sense, just way over devoted to one aspect of their, of their game. It creates an imbalance. And when you get to school and, the coach is trying to get you to balance everything out, and you can't. Um, just making the preparation physically has more to do with uh, you being able to see how you can mature physically. And if you're not doing the things now to do it, you got to start mentally preparing to do those physical things because that's the minimal expectation of any good collegiate program. Uh, you, you just don't take the season off because it's cold. You, you, that's that's right. no longer a, <laughs> no longer a choice. Uh, there's too many great indoor facilities. At least these colleges are amazing. With the things that they they put in place for the for the collegiate golfer, it's a year round devoted commitment. And as a coach, that's and as parents, that's the thing you've really got to prepare your child for the most. Because if you don't, they're in for the shock of their life. Yeah. Well, and that brings me to to another question about from the student's perspective. And and if you were talking to a, a group of students right now, let's say if you had their ear, you went into a a uh, um, you know middle school as an example, and and uh, you, you've got a, a group of kids that uh, maybe have expressed an interest in golf um, and thought about playing. Um, uh, again, high school or, or collegiate, what would you say, what would that conversation go like? You know, uh, again, obviously you, you want to express the whys, but what do you want them to be uh, to understand and be prepared for? Because, you know, you don't want them to just sort of say, well, yeah, I'm going to do that and just jump into a program or try to jump into a program without really knowing what to expect. So what would you say to them if, if you had their ear for, for a few moments? Whether they're middle school, high school, collegiate, corporate, it doesn't make a difference. This is a word I've used with you every time I've ever been on the show is fun. Uh, you got to have fun at what you're doing or you're inevitably going to change what you're doing by choice or by subconscious priority changing. Um, it, it's all about fun, and that fun shows through as you develop through the levels. Um, it becomes more intense. And you got to start preparing yourself and just realizing that. So at a middle school age, a high school age, expose yourself. Uh, I don't, what I mean by that is expose yourself to what a collegiate program does. Go visit a college for a golf camp in the summer. Or uh, you can't go there officially, but you can certainly let a coach know, hey, your, your program's a half an hour away and mom and dad are coming by and I'd like to watch a practice kind of thing they're they can't officially invite you and they can't officially say no you right can't. but being able to look watch that and be exposed to that you'll get some ideas of what these athletes go through at that level and you can start mentally and emotionally preparing yourself at that age to hey this is what it's going to take it's gatekeeping along the way you may get a child that you think is committed to it. You take them to a college program. 
you take them to a college golf camp and they work harder than they ever have and they come home and go, oh, that's too much work for me. That's okay. <laughs> At least you found out sooner than later. Uh, you didn't spend as right. much financial commitment on that that, that you could have if you just let it let it fester the way it was festering. Um, the other real key from the standpoint of view of what is what what do you have to do at that age to start preparing is keep an open mind. Um, the the more closed minded you are about certain things, uh, the less likely you'll develop at an optimal level. Uh, you'll actually stunt your growth, to use a term loosely. When you look at the development of Tiger Woods, did he have one or two coaches as a child? Yes, but for good reason and for uh, justifiable reason, I bet you there's 20 or 30 people from the California area who claim they've taught Tiger Woods between the age of 5 and 15. And they'd be telling the truth because Earl took him to a lot of different people. He kept an open mind or tried to have Tiger have an open mind to very different ideas about what a swing would be or, or the strategy to play or what college is best for me or what's the best uh, class schedule for me to do as I'm playing collegiate golf or middle school golf. You got to keep an open mind to this. Um, There are some um, Peter Uline comes to mind. I remember 12 years old, he was hell bent on going to Oklahoma state. And even though they changed coaches, when he was younger, he stayed true to that. He was very close-minded that way, but it can work positively that if you want to play at that kind of that kind of program, and you're that's it's that or nothing, then maybe that's the nugget that inspires the young person to work that much harder. So you, you, as a parent, as a coach, you have to sort of understand, okay, let's keep an open mind with other things, but that open-mindedness is going to help him with the one that he's not open-minded with. And that's what the U-lines did. Um, I watched it, and it, it was it was very unique. So, you know, just exposing yourself, get, getting an understanding what it's going to take is going to help you prepare, but keeping an open mind that there's more than one way to slice a golf ball is really going to – <laughs> really going to go far when it comes to right. being prepared for that next level. Right. Well said. And, and I think also too, you know, there are many, many uh, great junior programs out literally all around um, the United States and, and beyond, um, you know, to get your, your juniors involved in, you know, if they've uh, got an interest and in, let them go out there and, 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 you know, obviously, first and foremost, have fun, but to play and and know what it's like to be in a competitive environment, um, because it's not oh, you know, it it's one thing to go out and, and play and just enjoy uh, the round, but when you you know got some stakes on it, if you will, uh, you're you know playing in a in a junior tournament or something where um, it's a little bit more defined. It's not just there for fun. You're there actually competing against others. It gives you a little taste of of what you're going to expect down the road, and and uh, you know, so if, if you've got somebody that hasn't even got to that uh that stage that we've been talking about here tonight you know if they're if they're expressing it certainly don't force them into it but let them experiment a little bit and and there are some great junior programs out there 
uh, let them get involved and let them go out and play and and uh, and have some fun. Wouldn't, wouldn't you agree, John? I I would, and and you're starting to see the manifestation of that kind of maturity and how these guys are getting into college and spending one or two years and immediately making a tour. Um, junior golf, from a competitive standpoint of view, uh, I don't think it's ever been ever, any better. Um, here in Florida, there's so many different tours you can play and you can climb the ladder per se. We've always said that golf's a, a microcosm of life. Well, you want to climb the corporate ladder, watch how kids climb the climb the golf tour ladder as juniors. It, it right. prepares you for that kind of stuff. The other thing that I'm always telling my my students, my clients, my parents, is you know what? Sometimes in competition, having a failure is actually the best friend you can have at critical times. We as humans learn throughout our entire life. One of the ways we learn is by failure, and we correct that failure most of the time. Sometimes it takes us two or three attempts, but because you failed and it feels bad to fail, it may physically feel bad to fail in some sports, it gives you that inspiration to get up, try it again, let me get it right the second time. And it, it really makes your brain work. When you look at the successful golfers, the successful athletes, a lot of their success came from their failures. So junior golf is doing an outstanding job right now from a tournament standpoint of view of putting kids in circumstantial situations where they've got to be able to think on their feet they, they've got to be able to make critical decisions based on their skills, based on where they are in the tournament. It's going to help them long-term to jump to the next level. We're seeing it already. But again, from a life skill standpoint of view, when they, can, when they can understand how to take the lessons they've learned from their failures from on the course and apply it to life, apply it to the boardroom, apply it to many other situations, you're talking about from a character standpoint of view, the potential of a much more functional and successful adult. Right. Well said. Um, well, John, uh, it, it's hard to believe, but uh, our hour's up. Um, thank We're you for uh, for making. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Sue missed out uh, unfortunately this week, and uh, uh, but we'll uh, we'll make sure she comes on. As I said, you know, I've said so many times on the show. I, you know, I, I appreciate you guys uh, always giving of your time, and I know it's not always easy sometimes to to make it from the lesson tee and, and to make it in time for, uh, for coach's corner. But, uh, I appreciate John that you were able to, to slip away and, and spend the hour with me. And it was very insightful and very interesting. You know, I, I think we, we've got a good future for the game. Um, and it's, it's exciting to see. Uh, and, and I gotta be honest, you know, doing these programs has given me, uh, you know, not only insight for my own teaching and that, but uh, also the opportunity to really, um, speak with some great up-and-coming players, especially in, on the women's side. I mean, uh, you know, many of these young girls coming up on the Symmetra Tour, it's just amazing how hardworking. And, you know, I was saying to um, to our guest this past week uh, um, that uh, what was really interesting about this season particularly is almost every tournament, and they're getting close to the end of their season, uh, they've gone into sudden-death playoffs which is almost unheard of. I mean, you know, you certainly see some playoffs on the PGA and, and others, but uh, not to the level 
that uh, I've, I've witnessed here uh, this past season. I mean, almost virtually every tournament has ended in sudden death playoff. Uh, these level of, of young ladies coming up has just gotten better and better and better, and uh, they're getting very, very competitive, and uh, it, the, the fields are tightening up uh, even more so. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, over the next uh, several years as they progress onto the LPJ Tour, um, you know, just the level of golf. I'm, I'm hoping to see some really exciting golf happening uh, for, for some of these young women coming out on tour. So, um, But, John, as always, uh, it's been a pleasure, and I always love having you on. You're going to be coming uh, on, I believe, uh, is it the end of this month? I believe you're coming back as, yeah. as a guest. Well, I'll, I'll be on Coach's Corner again my normal second Thursday, and then uh, I believe it's the 24th of October. You've got me uh, That's right. scheduled to be a guest, and I'm already lining up some people to be with me. I, I think it will be a really interesting conversation of, of coach and student uh, that a lot of people will get a lot of things out of. All right. Well, sounds good. Well, John, as always, uh, again, thank you very much for, for joining me. Uh, keep up all the, the hard work uh, uh, that you do uh, out there on the Lesson T, um, and I look forward to having you join me again uh, next time here on Coach's Corner and as my special guest next month. So thanks, John. I appreciate it, Ted. And real quick, I just want to give a shout-out to your next guest, Alex Trujillo, who's a personal friend um, got a lot of good things happening as a flight scope ambassador with him that I'm will be really excited about launching and announcing in the next several weeks uh, appreciate you having me on look forward to talking to you again very soon all right thanks John take care all right all right that was John Hughes uh, PJ master professional uh, Filling in on the coach's corner, if you will, uh, for for Sue's half and, and his half as well. Um, again, uh, obviously uh, Sue got detained, uh, so we'll make sure that uh, we'll get her on again here real soon. Um, before I bring on Alex uh, and uh, and tell you a little bit about him, let me just remind everybody, of course, uh, at the end of the show, go to golfswing.com. Of course, it's a sponsor of Coach's Corner, and uh, if you go on their website and uh, check out, they've got a great online video academy with some of the best golf instructors in the business. Uh, if you enter promo code at checkout Golf Talk Live, you'll get 50% off the subscription price. So make sure you do that at the end of the show. Go to golfswing.com. And uh, let me uh, play this little clip uh, so you can hear a little bit more about them. Are you finally ready to improve your golf game? Golfswing.com is changing the way golfers learn online. With the largest collection of golf training programs and drills on the planet, Golfswing.com can help you improve every part of your game. Whether you want to gain more distance, hit it closer, or just sink more putts, Golfswing.com staff of world-class coaches can help you gain the results you need. Watch unlimited videos on any device from anywhere in the world and start playing better, scoring lower, having more fun, and saving money. Get your fix on demand at Golfswing.com. All right, and again, after the end of the show, go to golfswing.com, enter promo code GOLFTALKLIVE, and save 50% off the subscription price. All right, my next guest, uh, John gave us a little sneak peek, if you will, of a of, uh, very special guest and a good friend of his, uh, Alex Trujillo. Uh, he is the uh, FlightScope's North American Senior Sales Manager, and he's also a certified FlightScope application specialist. Uh, he's also a graduated from the Professional Golfers Career College uh, back in August of 2013 with a degree in professional golf management. And he's also a combat veteran of the United States Army where he served for 10 years. So let me bring out uh, this evening's special guest, 
Alexander uh, Trujillo. Good evening, Alex, and welcome Hi, to Golf Talk Live. Me. All right, I appreciate it very much. Not a problem. And thank you for your service. Uh, we appreciate that very much. Uh, you uh, spent some time in the Army. I did. I did. I spent 10 years. Yeah. It's, uh, again, thank you. Uh, thank you for your service. Um, all right, Alice, let, let's, let's talk. Uh, I know we're going to talk about some of the specifics here in a moment, but I want just for the, for the listeners that are tuning in that are maybe not familiar with FlightScope, uh, obviously as, as many of us are that are in the industry, um, maybe you can just give, uh, there's a number of obviously products that are available. Maybe give us just a, a brief overview uh, about FlightScope, what it is, and what sort of involved, and then we'll get into some of the specifics. Yeah, so um, FlightScope has been around um, since 1989. Um, the founder and CEO, Henry Johnson, started the company back in uh, Stalinbosch, South Africa, as a um, defense tracking company. So he basically started with um, missile ballistic tracking and we actually still do that to this day. We provide with over 30 countries in the world with defense radars. And so that's basically, um, you know, the core of, of what we do. We, we track objects that move very fast in space. So uh, from there, he, he decided to go into the sporting industry. Uh, we have applications for cricket, tennis, golf, baseball, athletics, soccer, um, uh, shooting. I mean, the, the list goes on and on. So basically... If, if it moves, we can track it, and that's at the heart of what we do. Right, and we're going to get into some of the, the reasons why, in, in golf particularly, why you want to track um, how fast and how far uh, things go, and we'll talk about some of the applications because I know that you work with uh, many uh, tour players and, and top players, and, that, and obviously that information uh, is, is important for them, and uh, FlightScope obviously helps to make uh, a lot of those numbers, if you will, uh, available. Um, let's talk about some of the hardware. Uh, you've got uh, a number of different products available. Uh, I'll just name a few and then you can maybe explain some of the differences. There's the X3, the XI Tour, the XI Plus, and now Mevo. Um, what's the difference between these products? Just sort of give us, a, again, a, a brief explanation between uh, the different products. Absolutely. So the X3 is our top-of-the-line product. That's what, you know, most tour players, teaching professionals, fitters are going to be use it. That's the that's the cream of the crop. That's you know that's got everything you need, all the bells and whistles. The the XI Tour is is kind of the you know um, financially it's kind of in the middle of the road and it doesn't have all the bells and whistles as the X3, but it does have a lot of good things. Um, so it, you know it's it, it can get you in, it can get the job done. Then you have the XI Plus, which is more of a, a fitting tool, not really a teaching tool. Um, and then you have the right. Mevo, which is our consumer product that has been um, really, really good, really well received in the marketplace. Yeah, we're going to talk about the Mevo a little bit later on uh, in the show because uh, I, I really wanted to um, emphasize that. Because obviously, in addition to uh, a number of my fellow uh, golf professionals that listen to the show, uh, obviously we have a, a high volume of, of consumers that listen that might uh, not be familiar with that. So I want to give them an opportunity to, to learn more about that as well. But here's just a short list of available data perimeters, if you will, uh, uh, available from using FlightScope. And I'm going to mention a few. 
And then I want you to sort of put in perspective, if you will, why uh, – and, and you can certainly use, if you want, the touring professionals, why this information uh, is important for them, uh, why they even care about these numbers, uh, and then maybe we can touch a little bit about, from an amateur's perspective, why these numbers could be useful to them as well. So here's just a few of them. Obviously, uh, FlightScope is able to record the ball speed, uh, club head speed, uh, smash factor, uh, carry, roll, and total distance, uh, just to name a few. So, uh, again, and, and there's a, a whole, literally a laundry list of other uh, available stats and things that, that um, the FlightScope provides, but these are some of the more common ones that people might be a little bit familiar with. So why is this information important uh, from a professional standpoint? Why do they care about these numbers? Um, I, I think for the professional, it comes down to precision um, and eliminating as many variables, variables as possible. So with, with the use of this technology, the professional can now understand, you know, not only uh, what the speeds of their club and their ball speed is, but also, hey, how far am I carrying the golf ball? Am I spinning the golf ball in certain conditions because you know they're moving from place to place on a weekly basis and so they have to be able to um, have a good understanding of exactly what the golf ball is doing in their in the different locations that they're playing so for them it's more of a being more precise and eliminating variables right and also too by gathering this information and seeing the stats if you will um, again, whether it be ball speed, so on, or, or carry and roll and distance, um, it gives them an opportunity to make more informed decisions. So if they have an idea of what they're doing with their equipment when they're out there, a better perspective, if you will, when they go out and actually play in a round, obviously they're not using flight scope in a round because that's, that's uh, against the rules, but um, they're able to, to use that in their practice sessions to be able to better understand what's happening uh, to the golf ball and out in the golf course. So when they do take it out on the course, they're able to, to help guide them, if you will, to make more informed uh, and better choices. Would that be pretty accurate? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, something that I've, I've experienced in the last two or three years on tour, and, and um, the, the caddies also get a very good um, – they're very keen to the information because it, it makes their – they, they can instill confidence in their player when they, they know there's a specific number that's come up and they know, hey, I know that this club is going to get me this. So it, it instills confidence. And, you know, that's what I do on a weekly basis. I actually go um, with the guys that we have on tour and I go on the range, on the practice holes, shot for shot. I track every single shot that they hit, including the ones they hit out of bunkers and rough. And um, I compile all that data for them and I send it to them so they know every week you know, what's happening with their numbers. So they are, they're very well informed when they go and attack the golf course. Yeah, and, and, you know, obviously, like any technology that we have out there, whether it be in the business world or in the sporting world, it's, it's really uh, an infor, information-gathering tool, if you will, to provide us with um, whatever, you know, advantages we need uh, and inf through information, uh, to, excuse me, to be able to, to, again, make those informed decisions. So, Again, obviously, this is going to apply for amateurs. But what can amateurs learn from this stuff? Obviously, they're they're not. We don't want them to get too caught up in all the numbers uh, from an amateur standpoint because they're not really uh, quite at that level yet. Uh, obviously, we're trying to work them towards a, a top level, but you know, we don't want to overwhelm them. So, how do we use this technology for the amateurs to give them sort of 
again, a general overview. What, what would be the best if you were talking with, let's say, a group of teach professionals now that you're setting up with FlightScope, what do you want them to do and to instill with their students so that they don't overwhelm them with the technology? I, I would I would start off very basic with just the basic number. You know, you could start off with something as simple as carry distance. I I would I would, you know, if I were a betting man, I bet you that uh, probably you know sixty to seventy percent of the golfing population doesn't actually know how far they carry the golf ball. You know, yes, we all know right. how far we hit and ends up, but when we're when we're in a situation where we have forced carries, we really don't understand. How far do we actually carry the golf ball, especially with driver? Um, so right. just having that understanding um, will give you a totally different perspective when you get to the golf course and you're, you know, you're faced with certain situations. So just starting off with something as basic as carry distance, this technology can really help your game on the golf course. Right. What are some of the other uh, parameters that are available as well? I, again, I just read a few out here. What are some of the other ones that, that um, I mean, obviously I'm sure there's a, a, a slew that the professionals use, but what are some of the more common ones that the professionals are really paying attention to? Um, always looking at spin rate, always looking at launch, um, even vertical descent angle. You know, again, it, it depends on what they're working on, but we're mainly looking at, we're looking at speed, we're looking at launch, you know, club speed, ball speed, launch, and spin. Um, because at the end of the day, those are that, – that's what's producing the initial ball flight. And then, you know, obviously from there, club path and face angle um, are a huge part of uh, of what creates the movement of the golf ball. So they, you know, they will also look at that. But I would say those – now for the average consumer, you have your, your parameters basically that the Mevo provides, which is more of just kind of your – your club head speed, and then your ball, your ball, your ball numbers. Right, and, and obviously there's a lot of information there and data. And, and as I said, I think as, as teach professionals, I think we have to, um, you know, sort of pick and choose based on what our students are looking for. You know, obviously if they're looking to get more carry um, and a better understanding of, of how far they're carrying their clubs, as you said, especially the driver. Um, then maybe we might want to focus on on you know one or two key areas uh, w with flight scope. But uh, again, we also have to guard against overwhelming them. I mean, the pros are obviously uh, a little bit more uh, trained and seasoned, if you will, on understanding their their abilities. So you can be a little bit more uh, assertive, if you will, with them as time goes on. And I'm sure even some of them, I'm sure over the years, that maybe uh, uh, they could even get a little challenged, if you will. I'm sure, but. Um, you know, they adapt a little bit easier, I think, than some of our consumers do. Um, something right. else that's very interesting as well that, that, I mean, you would agree with that, right? I think that, you know, again, it's kind of like spoon-feeding a child. You don't want to, you know, get a shovel and, and try to pour something down their throat all at once. You want to sort of ease yeah. them into that transition and getting familiar with the, with the technology. Um, something yeah, else, no, uh, Alex, yeah. that – go ahead, please. No, I was just going to say, you know, even like you were mentioning, even with a professional, you have your professionals that are very, very technical and they'll look at every single number. And then you have others that, you know, they just they just look at you and they say, hey, you know, is that good? You know, say, yep, no, nope, whatever the case may be. And for them, it's more of like, hey, you know, check me out. Is it good to go? And then they're fine. They don't need to see everything. And others are a little more technical. So it just depends. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I, and I think it's important. Uh, again, I think that conversation initially with the instructor, if they're using, uh, you know, something like FlightScope, I think that they need to have that conversation with their with their students to make sure that they, uh, you know, understand better what the student's looking for. And again, not just, you know, dazzle them with all the bells and whistles. I mean, it is very, you know, interesting technology, and and I'm sure you see a lot of things and are amazed uh, at, at what the technology can provide, but. From a teacher-student standpoint, you know, you've got to be really be careful because you can overwhelm them and then it confuses them even further. And then they're thinking about, well, what, you know, when they're standing over the first tee, uh, you know, i got to make sure I don't do this or the spin rate's going to be too much and the ball's going to do this or, you know, so you want to be careful that you, uh, again, don't overwhelm them with it. But uh, it's really there as uh, obviously to help in teaching, uh, but just to sort of reaffirm uh, what, what's taking place uh, with the student. Um, something else that I want to talk about as well, Alex, is there are a lot of other things that can be integrated with FlightScope. For instance, I'll, again, I'll name a few and then we'll talk about some of those. Uh, there's Focus Band, uh, Body Track uh, Tour and Body Track Vector, and also MySwing. Maybe talk a little bit about how FlightScope integrates with these uh, other uh, available products. Let's talk about, let's say as an example, Focus Band. What is it that you're doing with Focus Band? Yeah, so, you know, obviously our expertise is in, is in tracking uh, the club and the ball and, and moving projectiles. So we partner with other companies that we feel, um, you know, bring great technology into other aspects of the game. Focus Band being one where it's they focus on the mental side of the game. So what the Focus Band is, it's actually a brain-sensing device that you wear, um, kind of like a uh, sweatband, if you would say, over your forehead. And it actually mm -hmm. registers um, what side of the brain you're using during your pre-shot routine and into your golf swing and hitting, striking the golf ball. So, um, you know, you have your left side of your brain, you have the right side of the brain. One's creative, um, the other one's kind of more um, mechanical. And there's certain s states that, you know, they say elite players will perform at, whether they're in the left brain or the right brain. So the focus band just gives you the capability of understanding in your golf swing what side of the brain are you using. Um, and there's, you know, there's, there's actually coaching applications that you can use um, to help you through right. that process with the use of the focus band and the, and the, and the um, flight scope. Very cool. And what about body track, uh, either one, tour or vector? Again, what, what applications are, are uh, being worked with uh, with FlightScope? Yeah, so they're integrated right into our application, and what we do with them is the body track is used uh, to measure pressure um, as well mm -hmm. as um, in the tour version, they, they have your verticals. So you can start to understand how a player is moving um, their, you know, their pressure, their center of mass, um, throughout the golf swing. Uh, so now not only do you have the club metrics, but you also have how you have how the, the body and the pressure is moving throughout the actual golf swing. So you're combining, um, those two worlds. Very cool. And then finally, my swing, uh, is another one. Uh, talk a little bit about that as well. Yeah, so MySwing is a system that's that's wireless and it has these sensors. I believe it's up to 17 sensors that you can place, for example, around your waist, your knees, your ankles, your wrist, your elbows, shoulders, head. And these sensors capture your motion. So you can start looking at your kinematic sequence, uh, working a little more biomechanics, um, and actually see where these different positions or these different body parts 
are throughout the golf swing. Um, you know, so if you know if you're a draw player or a cut player or someone who's shallow or steep, th- this sensor will kind of show you how your body moves in 3D space uh, with a virtual avatar. Wow. So I think that's something similar. I think Tiger Woods, um, you see that, and I don't know if this is the same thing or a similar product, um, but actually had almost like a body suit on where it had key points. That basically the same idea, the technology you're talking about, where he was yes, basically just, able it, to have – It just yeah. has measurements. It has measurement tools that allow you to see, for example, like your – you know, your uh, how much extension or flexion your wrists are in or, you know, so on and so forth, so – not to get too technical, but yes, right. you, you you can right. measure how the different body parts are moving. Very cool. And and again, obviously, you know, for our average golfers, that may not necessarily be uh, information that is going to be important to them. But obviously, the tour players who are playing at a very highly, you know, when you're when you're talking about the level that many of these tour players uh, are playing at and the purses that they're playing for, you know, you want to understand how your body's working, and especially as uh, you develop as a player, that information can be vital, and it can mean the difference of, you know, um, winning a tournament or at least being in the top 10 to being, you know, number 145 down the, in the money list. Uh, and that can be a difference of, of uh, you know, uh, having to visit Q School again and, and regain your card. So, um, you know, having that information obviously is very valuable for the tour players. Um, before we get on uh, and, and talk about uh, Mevo a little bit, uh, I want to ask you, you know, obviously working with this type of technology, there's got to be kind of a wow factor for you. What drew you to FlightScope? What was it specifically about the, the technology and, and the product, uh, if you will, and, and obviously various products, but the technology that really sort of hit home with you that said, okay, you know, I really want to be a part of this? Yeah, so I was. Uh, it's actually quite a, a cool story, but I was I was in golf college and I was in my jun- my junior year, and I had a teacher by the name of Sean Webb, and he was at the time was teaching the CEO of Flyscope, Henry Johnson, and um, Henry was looking for some some interns to you know some students to bring in and and work for him. So I was one of the ones that was selected and. I remember when he first told me about the job, I was like, I have no idea what, you know, he said it's a tracking radar for golf. And I was like, okay, well, radar, you know, I kind of did that in the army. And so I thought I had, (laughs) you know, some familiarity with it, but um, long story short, once I got in there and I started learning about the technology, what, what really intrigued me was one that everything that the company does, we build um, whether it's the hardware, whether it's the applications, um, everything that's in that product is made in-house. So um, we can really, wow. uh, we're really in touch with the, with everything that the unit does. And and I was really amazed by um, not only the capture rate but the accuracy of it. So um, through school and stuff, we did many tests. You know, we obviously you test other competitor products and you test yours and you test beta stuff. And and I always found that the unit was just so reliable um, in, in different situations. And my attention was just the reliability of, of the unit and the technology. Wow. Well, and, and you know, I, I think, again, not to, you know, to sort of belabor a point, I think the technology um, plays a, a very vital role in our industry. I think like any industry, there's, you know, technology is, 
is advancing many, many applications. And I think it's it's been very, very good for the sport. But I also think, too, it has to be put in, in, in the right perspective. And it can't dominate um, the entire uh, teaching program, if you will. I think it has to be there as a, as a tool and as uh, sort of a helping hand, almost like an assistant, if you will, to provide key information for the teach professional. And the only, uh, I guess, concern that, that – sorry, go ahead. You were going to – Say something. Go ahead. I, I was just going to give you my thought on, on 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 how I see it. You know, when when you when you have a medical issue, you go and you let's say you break a bone. You know, you you break your leg. Well, you pretty much know you've right. got a broken leg. You know, it, it hurts. Right. And the, you get to the right. doctor, and and he's going to be like, well, you probably got a broken leg. But then he puts you into an MRI machine, and he pinpoints the problem. The flight scope right. technology is the MRI of the golf industry for the teaching professional and the fitter. Yes, the teacher and the fitter knows there's a problem. The flight scope is a tool that helps you understand where the problem is. And if you use it in that perspective, it, it you know you will never overwhelm your student, you'll never overwhelm your client, and you will use it as a tool, and it will be a great tool for you. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, and, and I think that's just, uh, again, I think it's like anything, it has to be uh, put in its proper perspective, and I think you've done a, a, an excellent job of, of doing that. Um, you know, for, for me, what I like about the information that FlightScope provides is that literally what would take normally um, for a teacher professional a long time to be able to pinpoint areas or, or flaws within uh, a specific golfer, that information and feedback from FlightScope is able to give you, um, it, much like as you said, if you know if you're trying to diagnose something as a, as a physician, you want to be able to have all the information as quickly as possible to make a, a, a proper diagnosis, and that's essentially what FlightScope is doing. Uh, obviously, with other applications outside of golf, but particularly for golf uh, in our industry, that's essentially what it's doing. It's giving us the information that we need. Um, both as a teaching professional to be be able to make informed decisions to help our students, but also for the players uh, to be able to know exactly whether they're on the right path or, or not. And I think that's uh, a, probably a good way of putting it. Would you agree? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, for, for Maine, uh, again, for professionals, obviously, they're getting a lot of, of information there that they desperately want to be able to have at their fingertips uh, at any given time uh, so that they can go because they're, they're playing for, for a lot of money and, and it's their livelihood. Uh, and for consumers, obviously, there's something, an option for them now as well uh, outside of uh, the teach professional's hand, and that is, as you mentioned earlier, is Nevo. So tell us a little bit about this. What was the thought process behind this to, to sort of um, – wire or melt down, if you will, flight scope into a, a consumer version, and then tell us a little bit about what's uh, available for the consumer through Mevo. Yeah, so, you know, we, we've always had requests from, from the consumer side of, hey, you know, we need a more a, a more affordable piece of technology that, you know, isn't going to, for, for the person that isn't using it as a business, um, obviously the top end product is is, is, is a little pricey. So with Mevo, our goal was we wanted to get something in the consumer space that was not a gimmick, that was a real tracking radar, um, and that had, you know, had accuracy um, and that was affordable. 
And what we always wanted to do from the very beginning is we wanted to be able to show two things. One, we wanted to be able to show the shot through a video, and we wanted to be able to show data on that shot. And through the use of Mevo, we can do that. So how the Mevo works, it's, it's, a, it's a limited tracking radar. So what that means is that uh, because it's a smaller panel, it, it will track the initial trajectory of the golf ball, the initial launch conditions. And then we run one of our very um, accurate ballistic models. So it, it would be kind of like you can call it your normalized data. Um, and that Mevo will connect via Bluetooth to your cell phone or your iPad. And using that camera, you can record your swing. And what's really cool is right. you don't have to press any buttons. You don't have to hit record. Based on the trigger point of the radar, the application will, will crop the video for you. So you can literally hit shots on the range, get all your data, get all your video, um, all in a small little package um, with the Flyscope Mevo. And it's, it's, been a, it's been a great, great success. Yeah, and, and um, I know a number of people that have used it um, since it's come out, and they just love it. I mean, they just say, this is so cool. You know, I've always kind of wanted to know this. They don't, you know, maybe you're not in, in a lesson program right now, so they don't have access to, obviously, the, uh, the full version, if you will, that uh, is available uh, at many uh, at great locations. But um, they want to be able to have... Um, be able to track certain things and want to be able to, to see what's going on. And this is a great, uh, and, and it's very affordably priced. I mean, I've looked not only on your site, but other uh, places that carry it as well. And it's very, very affordable for, for consumers. So I think it's a, a, a great, um, a great um, product to be available for consumers. And, and it's only going to get better, I think. Um, and I'm sure you can't give too much away, but um, I'm sure over time, as the technology continues to advance, um, we're going to see more and more uh, things come to, to fruition. Do you, would you uh, like to let anything slip out tonight, or can you? <laughs> What's to come? Uh, I can't let anything slip out, but what I can tell you is it's like <laughs> any other technology. Where, you know, we are, we are, we're, always, we're always trying to be cutting edge. We're always looking for the next greatest thing. And, you know, it, it's like a cell phone. If you have a cell phone that, that you got five years ago, well, the cell phone that's out right. today is yeah. probably – you know, five times faster, has a hundred times more gigabytes and the camera can, you know, zoom in 3 million times. Right. So it's like, it, it just all continues to advance so rapidly and quickly. And the same thing happens with our radars and our, and all of our communication pieces and everything that we put within them. Um, it, it just advances. So yes, we do have some future stuff coming. Um, it's in the <laughs> works and we're always looking to improve. Well, I've, Definitely going to make a point of when that uh, when that happens to have you come back and and share some of the the, the newer technology that's uh, going to be available once it's uh, once it's been made public. Uh, I'd love to have you come back again and do that. So let me ask you. Um, and, and again, yeah, anytime, uh, Alex. What I wanted to ask you is, I know that you've been working here uh, lately, as you you mentioned earlier, with uh, some of the tour pros that are uh, connected with Flight uh, FlightScope. Um, and, and certainly, by all means, you don't need to, to give any, uh, any names or anything like that, but um, with some of the pros that you have been working with here lately, um, what predominantly have you found um, that maybe not necessarily isn't available, but what, what are they looking for that's maybe different 
uh, that that hopefully could be coming down the pipe. What's been some of the, the I mean, I'm sure they give you feedback and say we would really love to have this or do that. Uh, is there anything that you can share, or, or is that kind of under the the carpet too, sort of speak until till a later point? No, I mean, you know, we I work with um, Bryson DeChambeau is obviously the one I've worked with mm. the longest. I've been working with him um, since before he got on tour. Uh, I've been working a lot with Bubba Watson and his caddy Ted Scott. I work a lot with um, with George Gankus and his his pupil Matt Wolf. And from you know, obviously you have your your Bryson who's who's very very technical and you're so he's always pushing mm-hmm. and he's always uh, driving for us to advance in things that he thinks are would be beneficial. I'll give you a great example. Right. He was a huge part of. Um, a tool that we recently came out with, which is called the Flyscope Environmental Optimizer. And what this tool allows you to do is it allows you to hit shots within the application, but it allows you to change your location. So, for example, I can hit a golf ball here in Orlando, and I can instantly I can change the data. I can change my altitude. I can change my air pressure, my humidity, my temperature, my relative landing height, my wind speed, and my wind direction to any location in the world, and it will show me both sides of the data, what what it did here and what it would do in that other environment. And this was wow. was a, a very key element for him because he was trying to understand why the golf ball would do certain things in certain conditions. And I'm sure you guys saw, right. him, you know, there was spraying the water on balls and all this stuff, and, and that's because he's, he's very <laughs> – his entire goal in the game of golf is to understand, try to understand as many variables as possible. And I tell you, and I'm not kidding, he would prefer to be on the range figuring things out than actually playing golf. Um, that's what he does. He came to my home course for three days, and not one time did he step on the golf course, and he hit pretty much the entire range. I don't think there was any grass left. Um, but but that's what he loves. He loves <laughs> trying to understand the variables. And then you you know, with Bubba, you know, people think Bubba is not technical, um, but Bubba is is very technical. And yes, he is a field player, but he knows he 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 understands what data needs to happen for him to hit a certain shot. And um, right. you know, I've been working a lot with him this year and last year, and. Um, you know, you can see that it's definitely helping him and Teddy, especially when it comes down to those, the times when decisions have to be made on certain shot shapes or certain distances. Again, you just, it's it's like having more quivers in your, you know, you have more arrows in your quiver. You just have more tools to go and attack the golf course. And uh, so we're always, you know, it's good to work with them because they're always pushing us to try to come, just always pushing the limits on trying to get better. Yeah, and I think that's very interesting, you know, um, that they're also, I mean, obviously with any company you're going to, with some of your key uh, players and that, you're going to want to try to get um, uh, some feedback uh, on the equipment and things like that. But to actually have them uh, assist in implementing uh, some new technology as an example in your case, uh, that's obviously going to benefit others, but primarily uh, – you know he's wanting it to benefit for 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 him, but um, yeah. is is really key as well because you know that and that is I mean you know these guys are playing 
in conditions, you know, it's they're not always in sunny Florida where, you know, there's a light breeze, you know, coming out, uh, uh, you know, at five or, or ten miles an hour. They might be playing in, in rain and, and uh, heavier winds or dry, dry conditions and things like that. And the balls, uh, depending on or elevated, uh, you know, when they're playing out west, particularly when the elevation changes, uh, can affect what happens with the ball. Um that information is important, so I, I think that's great that, that that technology has now been made available that they can kind of play around with it a little bit. Yeah, yeah absolutely, uh, and, it, and it's been fun. I mean, uh, we we spent um, I think sixteen to eighteen months, literally firing golf balls through a cannon um, in Stellenbosch, South Africa, in different weather conditions and weather patterns with all types of weather balloons and weather stations literally to be able to understand these these different scenarios that you know the players are asking to to try and understand so it's fun you know you get to do a little research and development and you get to at the end of the day you're just learning more about you know what happens to the golf ball in in certain conditions was it hard for you uh i mean obviously you said you had some experience with with radar this is obviously a little bit different but um when you first sort of uh you know, got the position with FlightScope. Was it difficult for you? Do you think a little bit because there's obviously a lot of information that's uh, made available, or or did it come pretty natural? Do you think? No, I I, I studied a lot. I, I actually I had a I had a great mentor uh, by the name of David Nell. He he was actually um one, he was a sales rep for FlightScope, and I I would call him every night when I would go on my way home and I would, you know, I would ask him questions about certain things I didn't understand. And, and, you know, obviously you got to understand the parameters, but for me, I needed to also understand how do we measure those parameters and where do we measure those parameters? So for me, obviously it's a little more in depth. Um, but yeah, right. I just, I, I really grinded over it. I, I really studied it. I watched a lot of golf swings. I, I watched a lot of data and, um, and I asked a lot of questions and, and, and that's, you know, why I was, and, and then obviously working on tour, you also get, you know, working with Bryson. I mean, I, I think I've, I've helped him some, uh, but he's definitely helped me mm-hmm. a bunch. I, I've just been able to learn so much um, from just all the different rabbit holes that he's gone through. And, 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 and Bubba, I've learned <laughs> a bunch from him and, and, uh, and George Gankis and Stephen Almock and there's there's a lot of people that have that have helped me and that I've you know along the way have have always asked questions and and really tried to dive you know dive deep into it. Well, and I think that's good. I think it's good that it's it's a, a sort of a yin and yang type uh, relationship. I mean, the players obviously are able to provide you the feedback that's necessary, but they're also able to help you. Uh, look at things from a little bit different perspective. I mean, you're looking at it from purely a technology uh, technology standpoint. They're looking at it from, okay, what's this going to do? What information is it going to give me? How is this going to help me out in the golf course? So they're able to put things in a slightly different perspective, which gives you a benefit as well because uh, it helps you to really understand um, why the technology is important to them and what benefits they're going to reap out of it. And also, I'm sure – when when FlightScope sort of first came about uh, for the tour players, uh, there was probably some trial and error. What information did they really care about? What information, you know, eh, I don't really need that. Uh, and, and sort of narrowing down some of the parameters, I'm sure. I mean, obviously there is a lot of them, but um, some of them are probably more uh, more used to them than, than not. Um, and, and again, it depend, depends on the, the player, whether they're more uh, tech savvy or interested in, uh, in, in knowing the numbers. 
Um, is this also a generational thing? Are you finding uh, are some of the, the more, and I say seasoned because I don't like to use the word older, but some of the more seasoned uh, tour players or veterans out in the tours, are they equally as interested in, in, in flight scope or is this a generational thing where more of the younger guys uh, are gravitating to, to the technology? Um, I would say yes and no. You you do have some of the of the of the you know the the guys have been around for a while that that will gravitate to it. Others are others feel comfortable in in what they're doing. But um, right, I, I you know I think at the end of the day I think it's it's beneficial for all if if you apply it in the in the in the correct manner. And, and I'll tell you something on the on the on just a regular amateur player. You know I think that mm-hmm. what this technology help provide was an understanding of um, how the ball truly flies. What, what, what makes the golf ball curve a certain way? And I know there's been this big battle in the industry about, you know, the PGA manual was right or the PGA manual was wrong on, on ball flight laws and all this stuff. But I I don't know about that. I'm not going to get into that. But what I do know is that now (laughs) you, as a teacher, you have the ability to, Without getting very technical, you can very easily show someone, hey, look, if you do these things in your golf swing, it creates a draw. If you do these things, it creates a cut. And once right. you hit a shot, produce the shape, and then look at the numbers, it's almost as if they're like, huh, okay, so now I understand what that feeling – that feeling creates this. And, and you know, people talk about feel, and, and Bryson's a good example because – People think he's very technical, but he always tells me, he's like, I'm, yes, I'm very technical, but at the end of the day, I'm actually looking to create a feel. I'm trying to understand what motion creates a certain ball flight, and I want to be able to repeat that feeling. So it's, it, it, they kind of go hand in hand, feel and technical go hand in hand, and th- this product allows right. you to understand the technical side to ingrain a feel. Right. Yeah. And that's exactly what I was going to say is uh, I can see that um, really being a, a benefit for a field player because understanding, you know, when everything is, is going right, when all, for lack of better words, when all cylinders are firing uh, correctly and you get the re- desired result you want, then you can then say, okay, now I know how that felt when I did that. I know I got the result. I want the numbers back it up. And then they could go for that feel again and if they don't quite hit it there, the numbers are going to reflect uh, that as well. So, yeah, I can see how that for a field player um, would, would be very, very beneficial. Um, very interesting, you know, some of the uh, technology that's out there and uh, with, with flight scope. And I like the fact that they've come out with, um, you know, a version that's uh, available for consumers. So I think a lot of golfers have struggled for, for many, many years. And, and it's, you know, no uh, fault of the, the teacher professional. Obviously, people have to... to take some personal responsibility to get out there and practice, number one. Uh, I know we can't get them to practice as much as the pros do, but, um, you know, having this technology will give them some vital information. So I think that's a great, uh, uh, a great uh, step for, for flight scope to take is to, to get into that consumer market because, as, as you mentioned, there's so much. It's like the cell phone. I mean, things are changing so much, and uh, things are getting smaller, that uh, more compact, that uh, you can make it uh, affordable. So if people want to learn more, um, whether it be a teacher professional, obviously most of them I think know now, but uh, uh, or a consumer uh, that wants to learn more, where can they go? Yeah, they can simply go to um, 
uh, www.flightscope.com or you can go to flightscopenevo.com and uh, you can learn more about our company and our products and uh, you know we're we're happy to help we're that's what we're here for we're here to to help the teaching professional and the the fitter and the consumer just just um, be better um, you know and our our our, our I don't want to say our motto but what we live by is we you know we want to provide customers uh teachers and fitters with you know performance data that they can trust and at the end of the day that's 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 our goal that's that's what we strive for every day is to make the the most accurate affordable um launch monitor radar tool to um be able to accomplish that well i appreciate it and i think they've they've certainly accomplished that well, first and foremost, uh, Alex, I want to thank you for, for coming on Golf Talk Live this evening. I've enjoyed it. And I also want to give a special thank you to uh, my earlier guest, John Hughes, for help uh, putting this together and, and getting you to come on the show as well. I've wanted to uh, to get you guys on here, and, and he was uh, instrumental in introducing us and, and making that happen. So I appreciate that, John, as well, for uh, for making that connection for me. Um, but, Alex, when, when things start to unravel a little bit more for – uh, something new and exciting. I hope you'll come back and, and share that with my audience. I would love to have you come back. Absolutely, sir. You can count on me. Um, I want to thank John as well. John, if you're listening, thanks, bud. I'll I'll see you soon. Um, we're not too far. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, just um, whenever we, whenever we come out with that new product, I will. Um, I'll definitely love to come back on and and um, you know if you guys have any questions or you're consuming you're, you're Listeners ever want me back on, or they want just some specific information? Feel free. I'm always open to um, to sharing my my knowledge and information with the with the golf world. All right. And what's the best way they can reach you at? Um, simplest way would just be to go to sales at flyschool.com. You can just email sales at flyschool.com, and that'll divert to me, um, or just to our social media platforms of Flyscope. Okay. Perfect. Well, Alex, again, thank you very much for joining me tonight on Golf Talk Live. It's been a pleasure, and it's been uh, obviously informative not only for me, but uh, also for the audience as well. And, um, uh, again, you can go to uh, flightscope.com. You can check out their website. It's got all of the products that we talked about tonight and some other uh, information as well. I'll give you a little bit more in-depth as well. Um, but, uh, Alex, uh, thank you again, and appreciate it, and uh, keep up the great work. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me, and have a great evening. Uh, all right, you too. Bye-bye. All right, that was my very special guest, uh, Alex uh, Trujillo. Uh, again, the uh, North American Senior uh, Sales Manager uh, for FlightScope, uh, sharing uh, some of the uh, technology, if you will, that FlightScope offers, and uh, also um, talking about some of the uh, the other uh, applications and integrations, if you will, that uh, FlightScope for, for some of you uh, teaching pros out there. I know many of you probably already know a lot of it, but uh, it, it's always good to uh, to uh, learn something new, so hopefully you did tonight as well. And for the consumers, uh, you might want to check out the, the Mevo. It's a very interesting product. I, I, I don't personally have one, uh, but I might get one myself. Uh, but I know a lot of uh, folks that have used it and that they really, really like it, so it's well worth the money. I think it, it retails, if I'm not uh, stepping on anything here but uh, I think it retails around 499 or 5 you know uh, 500 mark uh in that range but it's definitely worth it. if you're somebody that enjoys playing golf and really want to uh crunch the numbers if you will then you might want to go and and uh visit flightscope.com and and check it out you can get it there um 
but anyways, uh, I want to again thank you, everybody. Uh, and uh, I did uh, communicate uh, while I was talking with Alex. Uh, Sue uh, said to extend her apologies. She had uh, uh, some personal things had come up uh, last minute and just was not able to uh, to make uh, Coach's Corner. But uh, uh, again, she sends her apologies and uh, will definitely uh, be with us next time. So on that note, uh, don't forget to tune next Tuesday to blogtalkradio.com's Women of Golf. That will be on from uh, 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern next Tuesday here on the Blog Talk Radio uh, dot com network. I have some great guests for you, along with my uh, good friend and uh, uh, co-host, uh, LPJ professional Cindy Miller. And then I will be back next Thursday with a, another uh, great round of Coach's Corner and another uh, interesting guest interview. So I hope you'll join me. God bless everybody. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this evening's broadcast of Golf Talk Live. Remember to tune in each week at blogtalkradio.com forward slash golf talk live if you can't join us live check out the on-demand section for previously aired broadcasts or listen on any of the following social media platforms itunes stitcher TuneIn, Castbox, TalkStream live and of course spotify to get updates on future shows and upcoming guests be sure to visit the show's facebook page golf talk live blog you can also follow me on twitter at ted and buck ceo remember to join me live each week for another great broadcast of golf talk live See you next time. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.